The following sermon podcast is a glimpse into the community of Central Bible Church, where we strive to welcome everyone into Jesus' life. We hope that you can join us for this Sunday service as we gather together seeking to live in and for Christ. turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. I'm going to read verse 38 through the end of the chapter. And Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, Peter warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders, and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone else that had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Thanks, Mackenzie. Mackenzie, did something um, happen this week that was kind of significant for you? Did you graduate? Did you get your degree, your master's? <laughs> Sorry, I had to embarrass her. Good morning, guys. How are you? Good to see you. So this morning, um, kind of a unique service. Uh, we're calling this Home Community Sunday. Um, we're going to take today and next week... Um, and kind of have two different services that are a little bit different than what we normally do before we jump into our next book, which, by the way, is going to be the book of Ruth. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about that. So, um, firstly, I just want to talk about kind of what to expect for this morning. Um, I'm going to teach for a little bit, then Danny's going to come up and interview Katia, and then uh, he's going to teach for a little bit, then I'm going to come back up. There's going to be kind of back and forth going on. It's okay. It's just to keep you really engaged and excited, okay? Um, So we're going to have some testimonies from people in our body about the significance of being a part of (coughs) intimate home communities, Christian community. Um, And then next week, what we're going to do is we're going to have kind of a special Q&R, question and response time. And we're going to base that, those questions off of what we've been studying throughout the last 10 weeks or so in the Renewal series that we just had, and this is kind of a new practice that we want to begin doing once we either finish a book or a a topical series that we were in, we'd like to take a Sunday and be able to hear from you, ask questions that you might have based off of different sermons or themes in the book, topics that were covered. So in your seat backs, right in front of you there, there's a half sheet here. Go ahead and grab one if you can, if there's not enough share with somebody. Um, And in there, you're going to see the different topics that we covered throughout this renewal series. Things like self-awareness, emotional health, your past, family of origin, solitude, uh, community, friendship, vulnerability, forgiveness, the Holy Spirit. We want to invite you to ask questions based on that series. Or, what did you learn? What was beneficial for you? We'd love to hear thoughts, feedback that you might have. Um, If you don't prefer writing, you can write on the back of this and just drop it in, uh, give it to me, give it to one of the other pastors. Yep. Yeah, so not all the seatbacks have one. I'll give you mine, though. 
share with you. Um, yeah, so we want to invite you to, to give this to one of us afterwards so that we have some uh, questions that we can then respond to next week. And then in addition to that, what we're going to do during the service is we're also just going to pray that God would continue to move uh, in us through the power of the Holy Spirit some of the things that we've been learning in the renewal series, that we would, those things would sink down deep. And then we'll also spend time praying for uh, God to move in us as we enter into the book of Ruth. So it's kind of this practice of, God, would you continue to solidify the things that we've learned so that we're not just consuming more Bible, but that we're actually practicing those things, and then asking the Lord, Holy Spirit, would you continue to move in us as we enter this next book or series that we're going into? I think that's kind of a cool thing. Um, so that's kind of what to expect next week. But this morning, we're looking at the importance of home communities. Would you just pray with me quickly as we invite the Holy Spirit to help us? Jesus, uh, we, we ask that you would now teach us through your word, why, why the importance of gathering together um, in smaller clusters with other brothers and sisters is so important. Would you help us to see it, Holy Spirit? Enlighten us. Help us to understand your goodness. And would you help us to taste just a little bit this morning um, what you give us, what you have on offer for us, which is um, love, kindness, peace, joy, patience, all the fruits of the Spirit. We, we get to practice those things in community. Help us to see that now. We love you. Amen. So the big idea for my portion of the teaching, I am a, I'm known as what's called a challenger. Uh, so my personality type, that's kind of a, the, the one word I would give to describe um, challenger. So Danny's going to speak uh, a bit on kind of what home community looks like, what kinds of things do we do in home community, and I, as the challenger, get to challenge you to join one if you're not already in one. Here's the basic idea. Intentional Christian community doesn't happen by accident and is a fundamental expectation for anyone who says they follow Jesus. Intentional Christian community doesn't happen by accident, and it is a fundamental expectation if you call yourself a follower of Jesus. So look again, Acts 2.42. Look at verse 41 first. Those who accepted Peter's message, Peter preached thousands of people, were baptized. About 3,000 were added to their number that day. 3,000. And then, a really good translation, what it would say at verse 42, it says they devoted themselves. What it could say, or what it should say, what might be a better reading of it would be, and then they devoted themselves. Meaning the people that were saved, the 3,000, are the ones he's referring to here. Then, based off of receiving the good news of the gospel, what did they do? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, to prayer. And they didn't do it alone. They did that with other followers of Jesus. So we just had, we just celebrated Easter, right? The good news of the resurrection. And you've got Peter, this man who literally 90 days earlier had denied knowing Jesus. Said, I'm committed to you, I'm faithful, I will follow you no matter what. Jesus says, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. And sure enough, he does it. And that same man, because he saw the risen Christ, that Jesus came back to life, then preached to thousands of people, 3,000 were saved, and then what do they do? They devote themselves to meeting together on a regular basis around a table. So, I think what we need to grow in as a community is not more preaching I think that we're pretty good at that here at Central Bible Church. We've got 75 plus years under our belt of faithful, committed preaching of God's word on a Sunday morning. I think we're doing really well in that. But here are two primary metaphors that the, the New Testament uses to describe the people of God, okay? First, they're disciples of Jesus, apprentices, right? That's how many authors in the New Testament describe us 
But secondly, and this is the other metaphor often used throughout the New Testament, we are a family of God. A family of God. Brothers and sisters who experience intimacy, honesty, love, bearing burdens, caring for one another. I think here at CB we like to say that we're a family, and I think that that's true of us as far as our loyalty and commitment to gathering together on a Sunday is concerned. I think that's totally accurate. I think that if you're still with us after the last many years of transitions that we've had, um, you're not going anywhere. You're committed, you're faithful, and you're loyal. And that's just one part of what it means to be a family. Being a family doesn't only mean being loyal and committed to one another. It also means being intimate and known and participating in intentional, meaningful relationships with your brothers and your sisters in Jesus. The reality is that we can't renew or revitalize this body until we're committed, not just to attending on Sundays and sitting under the preached word, but committed to intentional relationships with others around us who are also practicing the teachings of Jesus. We can't experience family life on a Sunday morning that will sustain us all the way through the rest of the week. We need to actually live like a family. What does a family do? They eat together. They laugh. They cry. They pray for one another. They practice the ways of Jesus together. They experience his presence. Look at verse 46. Every day they continue to, together to meet in the temple courts. And then the next line They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Jesus came to the synagogue every single week to teach, to be taught, to learn, to learn the Torah. We're not trying to downplay anything this morning about the significance of what we're doing right now, this Sunday morning gathering. This is important. It's crucial. We just spent two months making this space a more intimate place for us to meet as a community. But Jesus also spent a lot of time throughout the week gathering together around a meal. He limited the number of people he was with too, right? There were 12 disciples that he really spent time with and invested in. And so we're not asking you to do anything more than Jesus did. And Jesus limited his relationships to a small group of people. And so we want you to consider doing the same. It's not that we think you should do more. It's not that the Bible calls us to do way more stuff. I think often God is calling us to do less. We live in a time where rest, times of solitude, really practicing the presence of Jesus is not a value in the Christian church. And we want to see that change. And so we're asking you and inviting you to consider limiting the number of relational connections that you have so that you can be known by a small group of people in an intimate way as you learn to practice the ways of Jesus together. Community is the context where you and I are going to be transformed. Intentional relationships around the ways of Jesus, it does two things for us. First, it it exposes us. Community exposes us. Our inner life I used this illustration early on in the Renewal series by Peter Scazzaro, who talks about each one of our lives being like an iceberg, right? An iceberg, only about 10% of the iceberg is actually visible above the water. There's this 90% mass underneath that no one sees, and community is the place where that mass, that 90%, gets seen, and that's good for us. We just can't see that on a Sunday morning. Secondly, community encourages us. Christian community is where we're given the opportunity to practice the radical teachings of Jesus like sacrifice, forgiveness, patience, bearing burdens, generosity, and so on. This is where we're built up and we're encouraged in our apprenticeship. We need one another. And I'm specifically speaking now to both the kind of the younger and the older generations in our body. The younger needs the older, and the older needs the younger. We 
meaning the younger generation, speaking for myself, we need spiritual mothers and fathers as we face a world where practicing the ways of Jesus is more difficult and daunting than ever before. The older saints need the passion and the zeal of us young bucks as you continue in your journey discipling Jesus. We've said that many times over the last six months, and this home community, we're gathering together in small clusters, is where we actually get to practice that value. We can't just say that's a value, that we want to value integrating generations. We actually have to do it and practice it somewhere, and I think that this is one of the main areas and ways that we can do that. So, not only was Acts 2.42 their response to receiving the good news, devoting themselves to one another, it was also the means by which God continued to bring about more followers of Christ. Look at verse 47. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The character of our shared life as congregations, communities, and families has the power to draw people to the kingdom or to push them away. How we live together is the most persuasive sermon we'll ever get to preach. Amen. That's not my words, by the way. Somebody else smarter than me said that. Our unity, in other words, and our love, and our generosity towards one another is the most compelling apologetic that the church has on offer to the world. The church being united so that the world may know that Jesus and his way is good and worth pursuing does not happen if all we do is sit next to each other for an hour and a half on a Sunday morning. It just doesn't. So I want to recognize for a moment that some of us may be in a season of life where committing to a weekly gathering or twice a month gathering in someone's home in the evening is not doable. Maybe it's not safe for you to drive at night. There's health concerns. We get that. By the way, if what's holding you back from joining a home community is something like driving at night, we want to just, we would love to pick you up. There's people in a home community who would love to come get you and take you back each week. Um, so don't let that stop you. But as far as the elders of Central Bible Church go, we see home communities as integral to following Jesus and that you're not experiencing the fullness of life that you have in Christ here at Central Bible unless you're in meaningful community with other brothers and sisters here at Central. I want to recognize that some of us would like to be in a group, but there are challenges. Some things like social anxiety, being ner nervous to be around a new group of people. And we just want you to know that there's time. There's plenty of time. There's no expectations. Come. Just join You'll, at the very least, if you show up to home community and you don't want to say a word, you'll get a good meal out of it, and you'll maybe get to learn about some weird people, okay? <laughs> Who doesn't like people watching? So don't let that hold you back. There's a saying when it comes to both how we change and just life, particularly in small groups, and it goes like this, slow is fast, small is big. We need to look at ourselves that way. We need to give ourselves, God gives us that kind of grace. Yes, Jesus transforms us sometimes immediately overnight. We quit habits or behaviors or ways of thinking instantly. That's awesome. I pray that that happens to all of us in every area of our life. But usually, God likes to change us incrementally, day by day, through practicing things together in Christian community. And so, I challenge you if you're not in one, to join one. Finally, I'll say this. Is Acts 2.41 and 2.42 prescriptive or descriptive? In other words, is what we read here meant for us to look at and go, yeah, we're definitely supposed to do this today in the 21st century church, or no, that was just for them back then? Is it just describing what they did, but it's not something we're called to do? Or is it something that we ought to do? And I think the answer is yes. 
I think that we are called to do this. We may not be called to sell everything that we have in the same way that they could do that. Their society and culture lended itself to that. Sharing things with one another looked differently than it does for us today. But gathering together around a meal on a regular basis is something that every single one of us are called to do. Amen? So, with that, would you join me in welcoming up Danny Kukelberg and Katia Signy? So, in case you're wondering, I'm Danny, and this is Katia, and we're excited to be up here. I can speak for myself anyway. Um, gotten to know uh, Katia over probably the last year and a half, and oftentimes you benefit from her presence in our community, right? She's one of the, the heavy hitters in our kitchen, right? And uh, were I back there, you would have a lot more starch and a lot more sugar in your food, so we give you thankful that Katia is, is working hard back there, but I'm stoked that she's able to share kind of her experience, and specifically her experience as it relates to a community and entering into a home community and what that meant. And so, full disclosure, she is in my home community, and I did not pay her for her responses. They are her genuine reflections on the questions that we've talked about. So, starting off, Katia, um, how long have you been a part of this body of believers uh, here in, in Northeast Portland? Um, here we go. I've been coming for coming up on two years this summer, um, and it's not just how long I've been. That, that's that's the first time I came to church with any interest of my own, um, and in fact, in my entire life, since coming that first Sunday, been coming pretty much every Sunday since. It's the first time in my entire life, school included, I had any sort of regularity like that. Mm-hmm. Um, Big shift. Yeah, a little bit, yeah? yeah. <laughs> Would it be fair to say that you grew in relationship with uh, people who knew Jesus before you grew in relationship with Jesus himself? Absolutely. Um, I, for a variety of reasons that are worth discussing at length, um, I had a pretty big chip on my shoulder uh, towards Christianity for, for most of my life. Um, I grew up very aware of the story and of Jesus' significance. Um, my father read from the Bible. Is this okay? It feels very... I think he's, he's turning up. If you go a little closer, he won't. Yeah? There oh. There it is. <laughs> well, welcome to the interview. <laughs> so you were saying, for a variety of reasons, there were some barriers to Yeah, engaging. yeah. You know, my, my father read from the Bible, Easter and Christmas. Um, you know, so I was aware of, of some degree of that, but there was no practice, and we, we didn't go to church. I'd go to church with friends occasionally, but most of my interactions were with unhealthy people, whether they were in Christianity or not. Um, and I had, yeah, I had a lot of barriers. Um, but it was having a lot of questions reopened for a variety of reasons that kind of left me open to when I encounter, when I moved out here and I would encounter person after person of just incredible quality, just such good, just, just, you know, just when it's known, it's, you know, okay, sure, we get to know people over time and we understand why we have that feeling at first, but, and then I would get to know them and then I would learn of their devout Christian faith and I'd be like, wow, this, okay, I don't understand this, <laughs> like, I need to explore this. Um, so, yeah, it was definitely, definitely the people and how they lived together and seeing, you know, how so many things that I had explored in the world and had questions about and maybe had despair about because of encountering unhealthy situations and being able to critique them and the people very well and understanding what's going wrong, but not myself, having on any other basis or model for understanding how it might be better, mm-hmm. until I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Well, part of, as, as we get to know one another and share our stories, we learn that um, there are certainly similarities, but there are also differences, right? Um, I was a kid that grew up going to church as long as I could remember, and so oftentimes I don't, I don't think of how we operate as a church or in home communities with someone who might be newer uh, to a church community and certainly Christian subculture. So with that as a framework, were there any things that either made it, that were helpful in you kind of uh, finding a foothold in the community or things that maybe uh, were barriers that you had to, to hurdle, so to speak, I mean that. Um, I think most of the barriers were my own. <laughs> there were a lot. Um, I had been kind of vaguely exploring the idea of looking for a church and talking with some people about Christianity and my hang-ups um, and my curiosity for a while. And when I met Ben um, at a neighborhood cafe, completely I had no idea he was associated with this church, which I'd been hearing about for a while in the community. Um, and hit it off with him, just talking about the ideas of neighborhood and, you know, care for each other. And um, then I learned he was associated with this church and was like, oh, I need to go. Oh, no, I'm, I don't know. It took me a couple months. Um, but apparently the day Ben met me, he was like, oh, yeah, she's coming to church. And he told him, so... There we go. Yeah, on, on the face of it, and all of my hang-ups, which over the last couple of years, I've really, in large part in community, learned to disentangle Christianity from Christendom, and that has clarified so much for me. And in doing that in community, I've worked past so many of those personal barriers that I've had. And in seeing Christians challenge themselves, you know, speak truth to their own power, <laughs> you know, and engage that conversation um, has been a huge draw for me, um, you know, to, to be able to wrestle through the same questions and frustrations and resentments that I have and to grow past them with people coming from, I don't want to say the other side, but this different perspective. Mm -hmm. So one we, I didn't write down a list of questions, but we certainly have talked about is kind of this, this tribe that you meet with. We're, we're Happy Valleyers, so we'll gather weekly um, in Happy Valley, aptly named. And um, describe, maybe not with the names of the people, but what that community looks and feels and smells like on a, on a given week. You know, how, how have they come from a place of being kind of strangers or acquaintances to your people? Um, yeah, it's... I think coming into the church and coming into Christian community and then coming into a community group has been, there's been a lot of different profound things, you know, where somewhere where I lay down a judgment and I receive an enlightenment. Um, but I think that the thing that was really the most like deep earth shaking, turn it on its head, um, was a couple weeks in to beginning to attend the community group, which I joined a little after it had started. Um, and I've, I've been involved in missional community pretty much my entire life. Not Christian, but just, you know, activism and cause-based and organized through that movement. And I moved so much um, growing up. It was a really great way to meet people and to, to put my service out there and to kind of earn relationship, um, which is, you know, really taking a wonderful thing and twisting it against, <laughs> against what it can be. And there was always a reason for getting to know people. There was always this other reason for coming to relationship and building network and leveraging community and, you know, all of these things. Which, like a means to an end. Yeah, which, you know, all great things and in service of a thing. But it, at some point, you know, there would be difficulty and it would flush out. There was, you know, nothing guiding people through conflict. Um, and so to, to come into community and, and to just, you know, to arrive maybe 10 minutes late and just, you know, be very casual and, and be welcomed and to have everybody be maybe a little uncomfortable, but explicitly there for no other reason than to grow in relationship with each other. Like just 
bowled me over. Just, you know, just kind of incredible. And it was so much at the beginning of a lot of times there's something that we hold as an ideal and we want to believe. Yeah. We kind of have to, I don't want to say put the lie out there, but, you know, we put it out there and then hopefully it comes to a joyful truth in us. And it was really, you know, everything that I'd walked through for a couple of years, throwing questions out there and exploring things uncomfortably that I'd opened myself to really kind of came to life in that moment and I was able to start to relax into myself and relax into people and relax into having hope take root in my heart again so that it could come to life in my works and those around me and yeah, I'm babbling now, so. No, there's no babbling, it's beautiful. Um, last question um, would be, how has belonging to a home community helped to foster growth in your relationship with Jesus Christ? A lot. <laughs> I mean, I was, I was super lucky for whatever reasons to, despite growing pretty quickly into a resentment with Christianity, which I associated with spirituality and kind of just, you know, shut all that down. To, to maintain a awareness and reverence and awe and wonder for the glory of creation, you know, to, to, to know, just to feel and to know that it's very much alive and there's very much a, a beating heart of all of us at, at the heart of it. And, <coughs> and, you know, always appreciated the life and the teaching of Jesus and, and just found it mostly, you know, abused by society. You know, I understood that distinction very early on, even though it took me a long time to under untangle Christians from, from what Christendom, you know, has done. But Jesus definitely, you know, left me a little uncomfortable. <laughs> um, and, and some of the ways that sometimes a lot of things are described, you know, definitely leave me uncomfortable. Um, and being able to, whether it's community group, home community, or even just, you know, Bible group, or even coming in and working on a work party here or on a meal and, and converse with people and their thoughts and their considerations and struggles with, you know, and perspectives that gives me the ability to interrelate and to challenge myself and to grow. Um, I, you know, I, now I'm out in the world having casual conversation with an acquaintance or somebody I just met, and all of a sudden I find myself evangelizing, <laughs> right? <laughs> and and I and like it's almost this pause, and I'm like, whoa! And then I'm like, I'm like, wait, I'm cool with this. I'm keep going, and that that is weird. And then it's not weird, and it's weird that it's not weird. So it's it's really <laughs> it's really good. It's a knowing laugh, right? Yeah. Well, you guys, thank Katya for being up here and sharing a bit of a story with us. That's not all. You'll get to hear from uh, Dan and Gail Picker in just a little bit. But let's dig into the text uh, that Andrew opened for us. Uh, so if you've got your Bibles, stay right there in Acts chapter 2. And the basic question is, if this is something that is not just an add-on or extra, but something that is primary to following Jesus, the idea of community, what does it look like? Right? And what did it look like for them, and what might it look like for us today if we were to prioritize living together and learning together, sharing meals together and praying together? So, you got your text, open it up. I'm busy talking and not reading, so give me just a sec. And as we open the text, they, they, Luke records for us kind of four rhythms, right, that they practice devoting themselves to. We can also hear that as a, a single-mindedness. These are the things that they prioritized, made choices to lift above other things that they could do in their lives. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. So four rhythms. They devoted themselves to the word, they devoted themselves to fellowship. They devoted themselves to meals, not only meals around their homes, but also the Lord's Supper, which we'll practice later on today, and to prayer. 
These four rhythms helped the church as they matured in their faith. As Andrew talked about, um, they went from 120 to three grand or 3,120, right? And so um, that, that could be a fairly disruptive growth curve. And so they purposely set these things up as regular rhythms. So they first devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, desiring not simply to be men and women who sit under good instruction, but to walk in it. As Andrew talked about last week, theology is not fully understood until it is lived out and practiced. And sometimes we can feel that as apprentices of Jesus, we aren't as far along as we want to be, or we aren't as faithful as we'd like to be. And if you're like me, you can take the next step and think that's a result of not knowing enough. I just need more information, more good Bible teaching. I would submit to you this morning, men and women, that we are products of the information age. We have access to hundreds of years of sound Bible teaching at the click of a button. Right across the street at Multnomah, we can study through a comprehensive resource library free of charge. We get the opportunity to sit under sound biblical teaching on Sunday mornings as Andrew and Oshawa and others open the word for us. Some of you even had the privilege to learn under John Mitchell, who founded this church and Multnomah, which we sit next to. Not only that, but we as a church desire to be shaped by scriptures daily. And so with the aid of the Read Scripture app, many of us are reading through the Bible together and our ultimate goal is to have read through the canon of scripture in the year 2019. We are in the word of God. And like the early church, we seek to devote ourselves to it. But oftentimes ours is not a problem of information but rather application. One Sunday morning as a pastor was introducing Richard Wormbrandt, he's a founder of the organization The Voice of the Martyrs, who was speaking in his church, and the pastor described his church as a Bible-believing church. And Wormbrandt, who had been in prison multiple times for his faith, stopped the pastor, paused, and lovingly asked, Slowly, good, but are you also a Bible-living church? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. We don't want to settle for just being Bible-hearing people or even just Bible-studying people. We want to be Bible-living people. So as we dedicate ourselves to learning from scriptures, we will dig into the Word of God in our home communities. But we're not going to necessarily explore new content other than what we're already working through on Sunday mornings or through our own time in the Word. Instead, our hope is to be a group of people who will talk about what we're learning through His Word on Sunday and throughout the week so that we can talk about the practical steps that we are taking to live out what Jesus through the Scripture is teaching us. And we'll seek to use tools and practices that help us to grow in our ability to be obedient to Jesus, to be conformed to his image. One of the examples is many of our groups are walking through a tool called the Enneagram to help foster self-introspection and conversation about our lives and families of origin and behaviors and backgrounds. But the hope is not simply to pontificate, but to drive us back to Jesus and to his word and that through his spirit, that we would grow and be changed ever more towards him. And in our next series on Sunday mornings, Andrew let the cat out of the bag, right? We're going to be looking at the book of Ruth. So as we're studying scripture together, we might use the spiritual discipline of generosity so we can get practically into some of the nitty-gritty of how we can live our lives, as Ruth and Boaz did, in a way that seeks to understand and meet the needs of those who are around us. Like the believers in Acts, we desire to devote ourselves to the teaching of Jesus through Scripture so that we don't just know different, but we live different. Second, they walked in regular fellowship with one another. Fellowship. Can we all agree that's a churchy word, right? Fellowship, right? If you've been at church for any length of time, 
you've probably been invited to come and collect in the fellowship hall, right? Or invited to come to an event where they have the three Fs, food, fun, and fellowship, right? And you might even associate the word fellowship with jello salads and casseroles. And I want to be clear, I was born in the Midwest. I love a good jello salad. But the problem is fellowship is also a Bible word. And it's a beautiful and deeply meaningful word that speaks to our relationship with God and with one another. And if we hear the word fellowship and think more quickly of a potluck then we think of our bondedness to Jesus and to others, then we've settled for less than God offers us in fellowship. Fellowship, as we often read it in our English translations of the scriptures, comes from the Greek word koinonia. And its root word often is read as common. This fellowship that is talked about in this verse is possible through the work of the Spirit, Chronologically, in our New Testament, we've got the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Acts comes right afterwards. Luke is recounting for us the life of the early church. An important distinction is that this word is not used in the Gospels. It's not used until this moment in the Scripture first. It's not by chance that this shows up after the Holy Spirit has been sent to the church. The shared relationship, the fellowship we can now experience is a direct result of the Spirit's presence amongst the people of God. Listen to the way that the Apostle Paul uses this word to close his letter to the church in Corinth, 2 Corinthians 13. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Fellowship isn't simply a spiritual word that warms our hearts when we think about our relationship with God and others. Fellowship is a word that should grow hands and feet as we extend ourselves in relationship toward others. The same root word for fellowship in the New Testament also is the root word for generous. Pastor R. Kent Hughes, a guy who hails from my fellow Chicago, writes this. Fellowship is not just a sentimental feeling of oneness. Fellowship comes through giving. True fellowship costs. The truth is, we will have fellowship only when we make it a practice to reach out to others and to give something of ourselves. We see the implications of this later even in our passage. They share what they had. If there was a need and they had the, and they had, and they had the means... They met it, simply. Our hope is to live in community with one another and to live lives close enough that we can be aware of the needs of one another in our community and seek to meet them if we're able. If we're honest, it's easy to engage with people in five-minute spurts on Sunday mornings, right? We have enough small talk in our arsenal for that. After that, it might get a little wonky. But if we're in regular fellowship with others weekly, we get to see behind the facade and we get to truly know one another. It costs more in terms of time and investment and vulnerability, but the return is worth it. We want to relate to one another in home communities so that we can wrap our arms around each other, literally and figuratively. In my home community, at different times, each of us have shed either tears of joy and grief, sometimes in the same night. And we get to practice the one another's we see in Scripture weekly. I have the opportunity to talk to our home community leaders, and I hear stories about home communities that step up and meet financial needs as they're raised in prayer. They offer to help with babysitting to make a date night possible. Or they have brought a home-cooked meal at the perfect time without being asked. The hope is that we live life in close enough proximity that we can anticipate the needs of those we are in community with. And we can actually help in ways that are helpful instead of ways that we think are helpful. 
In this way, fellowship becomes a formative practice because we are loving sacrificially. Sound familiar? This is what Jesus modeled for us and calls us into. So I'd ask, who are your people? Who in this room, in this church, of the men and women that fellowship here know you well enough to celebrate when you get that promotion? to wish you a happy birthday before Facebook prompts them to, who can bring you meals and sit with you after a devastating diagnosis. We are called to be a community that shares joys and griefs in equal measure. Do you have others who you can do that with in this body? Third, this community in Acts was serious about eating meals together. We see it in the text. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. The community did not simply meet in the temple or as a large group, although they did that, but the church, which is the people, bled together in relationship with others that led to open doors and dinner tables. And they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. It's a beautiful picture of living life as the family of God. The ESV translation uses the word glad and generous to describe the hearts of the people. Doesn't that sound like a meal that you want to be at? In home community, in my home community, it helps that we have people that genuinely enjoy cooking food. And we also have people that genuinely enjoy enjoying the food that they like preparing, right? We've had homemade pizza night. We've had smoked meat, slow smoked meat, 12-hour smoked meat, delicious smoked meat. Can you tell which night I liked? Or we've had make-your-own crepe night. The table is the place where both our evening and our conversation begins. And for people like myself, Katya, it is the genesis point for so many of our relationships in home community. There's something about food that allows our conversation to naturally develop. And there's this beautiful thing where people who started as acquaintances somehow become our people as we rhythmically get together in homes sharing meals. I can say that for myself. I have a small tribe that meets in Happy Valley weekly. As the weather turns, because we have as many kids as we have adults, we'll also be meeting at the park, and that's good too. We can bring the barbecue with us. But I'm so grateful that they're just not people I know and say hi to and have five-minute conversations, but these are people that know me, people that we walk together in bondedness, that I have the capacity and they have of me to, we can bear burdens together. Can we as God's people eat with glad and sincere hearts that are free of pretense and that are generous with one another? Take off the Sunday best and lower our defenses and perhaps be known. That's a scary proposition. But most things that are worth doing generally are. Also, do we know how to feast together, to enjoy good food. As God's redeemed people, we should know how to do that better than anyone. When you get together with other believers, do you party, right? Zeller says that we should throw the best parties because we have been redeemed from death to life and God, by his grace, is transforming us. May we be a body that celebrates. My kids know that. It's been cool to see how much they like our home community. It's not something we've had to coach them in. For example, we have a home community that because of young families and work schedules usually only meets three out of every four Sunday nights when we meet. And so as part of our regular rhythm as a family, we take time to rest on Saturday. And as we're doing that, going hiking, hanging out at the park, eating beef jerky, whatever it may be, they'll ask, do we have home community tomorrow? Expectantly, 
excitedly because it's their tribe too. And on the Sundays that we don't, for whatever reason, they're bummed. I rejoice as a daddy that my kids love our home community as much as Sarah and I do. Home community is not simply something that we attend. It's one of the rhythms that we celebrate as, as a family. And it's one of the things that God uses to bring life to us. How would your week change if you regularly enjoyed table fellowship with a group of believers in a home? Just as important, how would your life change if you shared good food and conversation with people who were seeking just like you to grow in relationship with Jesus and to put boots to the ground towards that end? Lastly, the early believers in Acts were devoted to prayer. Given that the apostles walked with Jesus and were instructed specifically as to how to pray, in addition to the fact that some of this language gives us the idea that they were praying the Lord's Prayer regularly, let's take a look at that. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. As we pray in our communities, we come together proclaiming that our loving Father alone is God. We desire for his name to be made great, not only with our lips, but also with our lives. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We ask that his kingdom work and his will would be done in northeast Portland as it is in heaven. And we subject the desires of our own kingdoms and our own wills to come under subjection of the one true living king. Give us this day our daily bread. We understand that he is the shepherd who provides for our needs, and so we ask that his bread would sustain us. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. We ask that he, our righteous judge, would forgive our sins through the work of Christ as we extend forgiveness to those who wronged us. We seek to live as the redeemed, offering others what we have received in him. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We understand that God, through his spirit, walks with us. And so we ask that he would keep us from evil and temptation, and that through his word and his spirit, he would help us to die to sin and live to righteousness. As we pray weekly in our home communities, we get to lift up the needs of one another to God, and he hears us. And as we get to do that weekly, we get a chance to bring our praises and our griefs and our confessions and our joys and our hopes together to him. We get to hear the hearts of our brothers and sisters poured out in prayer to a high priest who the Bible tells us is acquainted with our grief. And as we do that, our compassion for others grows. Friends can pray with us in a way that acquaintances can't. They don't need to be prompted to pray for us or need to get the details. In the middle of a conversation, you may have had this happen, they can perceptively and lovingly stop us and say, let's go to the Lord with that together. It is a gift to have friends that both can pray for us and can care for us in tangible ways. Let's be the church that lives closely enough that we can put hands and feet to our prayers. May we be a church who's made up of communities that devote ourselves to learning and living the word of God, that experience life-giving fellowship that costs, that celebrates when we have Christ as we gather with great food on our table, and may we be a church that prays for Jesus to reign in our lives and like the early believers in Acts, that through his faithfulness 
and our obedience, he by his grace would add daily to those who are being saved. Amen? We're gonna get a chance now uh, to hear from Dan and Gail Picker. Andrew's gonna facilitate that. Would you uh, welcome them as they come up? Dan and Gail Picker. Dan and Gail have been at CB for five years? Five years, not the entire time in a home community. Maybe the last year and a half or so? It's been about two, two years actually now. That, we've that you've been in a home community? In a home community. Awesome. What would you say, before you joined one, those first few years at CB, um, what were some of the barriers or apprehensions you had about joining a home community initially? I'm not sure we can add too much to the conversations already. It's been good, and I wish I was a little more uh, vocal like Katya, but I'm going to rely on my cheat sheets. A little closer. Rely on my cheat sheets here at some. That's but, fine. Um, we actually are part of two community groups. We we're part of the Tuesday morning Bible study with our uh, seniors and, and um but it's open to anyone who wants to come. But we also are, on Monday evenings, we are in part of a group that meets in a home. And so when we were asked... Close, 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 close. Close, close than you, way closer than you think. Way yep. closer, okay. Yep. So um, when we were asked about being part of the community group that meets at Mora's house, um, time commitment was one of kind of the issues for us. It was a little intimidating because mm -hmm. we were retired, and you know, you think that when you're retired, you have all this time, but it gets used. And um, so we were already had some commitments, and we liked to travel and be gone. So we thought we would need to let them know that you know we wouldn't necessarily be there every week. And it really has turned out to be pretty flexible because everybody seems to have schedule issues, and so we try to work around those. And <laughs> currently, our group is meeting two to three times per month which is actually a little more comfortable for us. Great. Uh, what's it been like being a part of a home community? Well, it's really a good opportunity to get to know people, which is already said. Um, and in our group, we didn't know each other very well when we started out. And so we decided that we would share testimonies or um, our life stories. And we decided to do the longer version, not the five-minute version. And nobody wanted to miss. And like I said, we kind of um, have varying schedules. So uh, some, someone would only share their testimony if everybody was there that evening. So it actually took us about a year before we heard everybody's testimony. Slow is fast. That's good. It's true. And, you know, and the testimonies are important. But in that process, then we were spending time together. And I... I really believe that just the time of learning how you communicate with each other and mm -hmm. different people's personalities, and so it um, really was uh, more to me about that we just spend a lot of time together because you know you can't really even remember everybody's story, but uh, you realize that you have that common bond, and it is important to be able to tell it and also mm -hmm. to hear people's testimony. Mm -hmm. Yeah, anything else about that? So just talking about our group, um, we laugh a lot. And I don't know, I think that's important, that you mm -hmm. <laughs> it brings people together. And, you know, sometimes we cry together, too. We have cried together, or at least the ladies cry together. <laughs> We've had to learn how to cook for a larger group. Gail and I are used to cooking for two, so, so it's figuring out what kind of foods to bring and how much and things that are transportable and but it we are a family and it's okay whatever turns out and um, the time we spend at the table together is really good and so it really outweighs any challenges we have of getting ourselves there and yeah and uh, Oshawa is really good about keeping us on track and um, 
steering our conversation to do something, you know, talk about things that are meaningful. And uh, last week he asked us, uh, what do you feel like your spiritual gifts are? And how did you discover that? And awesome. how do you use them? And, you know, it's just uh, good, good uh, ways that we share our lives. <clears throat> we are a family like other family. It's give and take. Some of the families are better than others. And some of the dinner, family dinners. Sorry? You said some of the families are better. Some not some not the, the families, the family, family dinners. dinners. I was trying to read that. I've been trying to read <laughs> <laughs> uh, Some families are an eight, others are a three. <laughs> some are little families, some are big families. <laughs> the family dinners. I, th I think that point's really important, though, because when you think about if, you've, if you have, have kids or Obviously, many of us grew up in families around a table. Some dinners are crazy, and they're just wild. You don't get very much meaningful conversation. And other weeks, it's awesome. Your kids open up. Same thing in a home community, right? And we have to be flexible, willing to give and understand that it's not going to maybe always go exactly as how we would prefer. But the highs, I mean, of getting those moments together where we get to have meaningful conversation are so worth it and uh, really meaningful. So how, how has it helped you guys as far as your apprenticeship to Jesus, being a part of a home community? What do you think? Because we have gotten to know the people in our community so well, then we can share um, more openly what's deeply going on with us and in our hearts and in our walk hmm. than we would just with an acquaintance. That's awesome. <clears throat> this last week, I was sorting through some of my uh, piles of paper and ran across a note that I'd written that said, fruit comes from abiding in Christ. So I was thinking about that, and we abide by going to church, reading the Bible, praying, and fellowship. But what better way of abiding than spending time with other people who have Christ in their life? Amen. Um, so you guys are in a group that's pretty diverse as far as age, uh, stage of life, background, and that sort of thing. What has been particularly maybe challenging and or rewarding about being in a group that's not necessarily centered around common affinity or stage of life? Well, it was <clears throat> challenging for me because I have hearing issues and there's lots of kids and some ladies with very soft voices. And so it's hard for me to understand sometimes. It actually inspired me to go get new hearing aids. <laughs> so if you join a home community, you'll be getting new hearing aids. <laughs> So, I mean, I realized I was missing out on a lot, and I still don't get everything, but sometimes I'm just content to be there. That's awesome. And uh, the other, and sometimes I'm reluctant to share what's going on in my heart, but having time to grow comfortable with these folks and, mm. and learn about other people's lives and their stories and struggles, and it's just helped me open up more. That's great. And we really, we enjoy being around younger people, and we want to know how... Um, you know, somebody in a different generation is living out their Christianities in these current changing times. Well said. <clears throat> we want to understand how the younger generation experienced the world, in part because we have younger family members, like my daughter and her husband, who don't know the Lord, and we want to be able to relate to them. Wow. That's awesome. Um, anything else on that? Is that it? Okay, last question. Has being in a home community impacted the way you approach others in the wider church body? Has it helped you to appreciate and love others who aren't in the same stage of life as you or share the same common affinities that you do? Well, hearing other people's stories has given me confidence to reach out to others at church and even people outside the church. And <clears throat> a couple of years ago, I might not have been able to even be up here and do this. But I'm feeling more a part of this church because of these groups, uh, which was a, ga a goal when Gail and I came here. We want to be involved in this church. Wow, that's awesome. Thank you guys so much. Well, I don't have much more to say beyond that. Uh, that was awesome. That summed it up so well. The, you know, Dan's last line there about it being something that both helps me to appreciate and understand people who aren't just like me in our own body, but also it helps give the courage to reach out to neighbors, total strangers, 
That's always what the end goal of Christian community is for. As we've been saying throughout the renewal series at Easter, Jesus gives us new life so that we have something to offer others. It doesn't culminate on us, for us, right? It's meant to be given away. And so that's one of the things we do in Christian community. Um, Praise God, I'm stoked. Let's pray and uh, we'll spend some time singing some songs and taking communion together, okay? Jesus, we love you. Um, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just make these things real to us. May these words and testimonies of your goodness and community sink down deep, that we would become people who are marked um, by forgiveness, bearing with one another, caring for those on the margins. Would Would we be people who eat the best meals together, celebrate together, God, we recognize that um, for many of us, uh, walking through different seasons of life, um, some of us have experienced some hardships, some of us haven't, those days are coming. Um, The reality is that the pastors of Central Bible Church can't be there for every single up and down uh, through all of us, for all of us, And, and so the people that will be walking with us Um, in seasons of joy and in seasons of trial and heartache are those in in our home communities, God. Those are the people who will be with us, praying with us, crying with us, laughing with us. Um, We're just grateful that you um, have designed your church to operate in a way that's intimate and meaningful, and uh, we love you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, help us now to be people who are marked by deep, meaningful community. In your name, amen. We desire to be formed by the word of God in community. If you have questions about this week's sermon, we would love to hear from you. For more information about our church, please visit centralbible.church.